1: He even has the audacity to call himself the, quote-unquote, pod god. This
0: is
1: severe MMA. 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 The Severe MMA podcast is finally here.
0: Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome, everybody. It's episode 332 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, joined today by the Jack O'Connor of Irish MMA media, Graham MacDonald, as we discuss a very eventful week in the world of mixed martial arts, especially in Ireland, uh, as we have two people fighting for titles coming up very soon, which we will discuss uh, in the podcast uh, forthwith And uh, we'll also look at Mackenzie Dern versus um, Rodriguez, which literally went down moments ago here as we're recording. On Saturday night, but first of all, we have to give a shout out to our sponsors, Manscaped and the champions of blow to grooming are here to save your balls. You heard that right, Manscaped. The best in the world um, and the world champions of men grooming are here so you could stay clean and take care of yourself when it matters the most. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the movement for all your blow the waist grooming needs with the code SEVEREMMA at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping to your order. I know myself great. We have the the 4.0. We've had it for a while now, but we've more stuff on the way, so I can't wait to get my Manscaped goodies in now. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. And uh, that performance package... Uh, it's the real deal. The ultimate grooming package for the champion included is the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created. The Manscaped Lawn Mower 4.0 trimmer. Also the Weed Whacker Nose uh, and Ear Hair Trimmer, uh, Liquid Formations and the free travel bag and boxers too. The package uh, stars the redesigned uh, electric trimmer, to 4.0, oh, as I mentioned, the trimmer is simply the best hygiene tool for the modern man, perfect for the proper footballer all over the globe. Uh, it's cutting edge ceramic blade, reduces uh, grooming incidents, thanks to the advanced skin-safe technology. 7000 RPM motor, multi-function on and off switch to engage travel lock and, and it's even waterproof uh, if, that, if the, the rest isn't good enough for you. The weed whacker as well, absolutely brilliant for trimming the ear and no nose, hair, also waterproof, 9,000 RPM motor power, 360 degree rotary dual blade system, uh, the proprietary skin safe technology, got it right, prevents snags, sh- na- uh, nicks, tugs, the whole lot, absolutely perfect, and you can't forget their liquid formations to keep your balls their best, from kickoff to final whistle, the crop preserver and crop reviver, uh, to give the, the balls a boost at halftime. this package is head and toe, head to toe, top class, and easy choice for the best footballers in Europe and beyond. So get 20% off on free shipping with the code SevereMMA at Manscaped.com. Get the perfect package for your package and be a champion. That's 20% off with free shipping with the code SevereMMA at Manscaped.com. Shoot for glory this year with the best tools for the job from Manscaped. Right, Graham. Um, where to start today? Well, I think we we'll... well,
1: just just before you do start, give Come us on. give us one more uh, singing impression of the Champions League music. there.
0: Joe my new favorite song is the Scottish supporters. They sing, "Yes, sir, I can boogie, but I need a perfect song. I can boogie, boogie, boogie all night long." It's just brilliant. I, a Scottish th- fans th- sing I, th- I thought
1: you were going to say the Europa League music as a Man United <laughs> fan.
0: No, we're not there yet Graham we're, going, we're on the road to get there but we're not quite there yet You know, hopefully soon we'll, uh, Ole at the wheel he'll bring us into the Europa League again we got to the final last year well,
1: so now that Newcastle are on the rise Alibi yeah. be uh, Ali be uh, uh, Europa League residents
0: I, I, we'll stop talking about soccer now but I'm looking forward to Newcastle so we can sell our like overpriced shitty players to them so that'd be absolutely fantastic but anyway let's talk about or so uh, Pogba
1: can go there in a free probably
0: I, I, he probably will knowing him the fucking prick but anyway let's talk a little bit about uh mixed martial arts and let's talk about irish mma first because as we said we are an irish mma podcast we started was it last week or i think it was last week was it two weeks ago uh, about paul hughes being the champion and about joe mcculligan being the champion and it's a great time for irish mma and um news broke this week that two more irish mma fighters will be fighting for titles um we kinda broke the news of Chris Weberg and Sinead Kavanagh because we said it about five times on the podcast. But we they officially Ariel Wadi broke the news. Um but uh she that a fight will be happening and also Peter Queely Against Pitricky Pitbull after Patricio Pitbull relinquished that lightweight title that he held for uh, for so long without defending it because of the uh, 145 pound tournament in a kind of an odd decision. Let's talk about that first. What, what do you think? Yeah, it's, it's a strange
1: that? time. You know what I mean? Uh, obviously, his, his brother maybe. Obviously, his brother's in the division. That may be a factor. That like, if his brother wasn't in the division, you know, having just lost the featherweight title. To, to a guy in AJ McKee who's you know it wasn't a fluke victory it's like it's going to be a hard title to win back so I think it must have something to do with his brother like giving his brother uh <laughs> you know a, a chance at the title again
0: it does but let's say right let's say he fights AJ McKee again gets that fight loses then he has no chance of getting a third fight against AJ McKee and his brother is potentially the champion at the way the ball yeah, or yeah. he
1: goes, here, I gave up the title there last year, so you have to give it up now. <laughs> you <have> to, you <laughs> it's
0: only fair. It Get Quealy another shot at it, I guess. But might win it, so he mightn't have any problems. But it seems bizarre. Like, if he is confident that his brother will be, and look, we're an Irish MMA podcast, but he'd be favoured to win that fight, Patrici, even though Queely won the last one, you know, it's, it's an interesting one. We we'll get to it in a second, but I think it's just a bizarre decision. I I was we, myself and uh, Ian. I think I was did a did a breaking news podcast on and over on the Patreon. If you haven't signed up, patreon.com forward slash severe my podcast. Um, and I was kind of half thinking, is it a play to get out of Bellator to get to the UFC? Like you don't want to have that championship clause, which uh you know he has no championship belt now. He had two of them not so long ago. If he's out of contract, I don't know how many fights he has left. Could be gone to the UFC. Do you think there's any thinking in that?
1: Well, I'm not sure what his contract situation is. Do You know how many how many fights he has left. Is there any? No, I
0: I, I don't know. What? But yeah, I think it's much easier yeah. if you're not a champion than if you are a champion.
1: Oh, definitely, definitely, it's much easier to get out. Yeah, and I'm sure, I'm sure. Yeah, like you know, like most fighters, he would love to test himself in the in the UFC, and he's kind of you know done it all in Bellator. He's he's been a two way champion, as we just mentioned. So. You know, uh, even these company men like Michael Chandler or whatever, I think a lot of them do, underneath it all, really want to fight for the UFC. So that's definitely a possibility.
0: Yeah, and uh, look, with all due respect to to Bellator as well, I think, you know, getting a Bellator title is very good. But as you mentioned, Michael Chandler, he said, people who said, oh, you're a UFC fighter, even when he was in Bellator. And he was like, Arguably the greatest fighter Bellator ever had, you know or the, the definitely in Bellator the greatest fighter they've ever had. But um, regardless, anyway, we we will see what happens with that. The but the Queely and uh, Patricky situation, it's 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 fantastic because I feel like you know we look at someone like Peter Quigley and he's really taken the hard road you know he hasn't done what maybe we talk about with up and cover prospects that you take the right fights at the right time build your record fight you know the best when you are the best Peter Quigley what did there he went all over the world he fought you know in people's backyards he took short notice we talked about it at
1: the time you know he was going into places and fighting on short notice against guys with with bad style matchups in their hometown and stuff and it's it's a risky uh strategy there were some there were some uh, decisions that came back to bite him but i think all the experiences and all the all the you know all that adversity and all that stuff helped him as a fighter grew grew him as a fighter and you know he's coming off the biggest win of his career and he's coming into the biggest fight of his career and you know this is something he always dreamed of he's going to come out to obviously his his uh, now trademark walkout song and the crowd is going to be going mad and everybody everybody's going to be you know, there for him, and he, he's hes the main event ahead of James Gallagher, which is a big thing as well. So, you know, this this uh, title now being involved is, is a huge deal for Quito.
0: Mm-hmm. What, what do you think of that? Like, what do you think? Gallagher came out on Twitter and, and kind of uh he, he shot all over some Twitter user who said, are you uh, are you mad now that you're not made of it? Well, what nah, what yeah,
1: think? I, yeah. I think you have an Irish guy fighting for a title in, in Dublin. You have to have it as a main event. Yeah. You just can't not. I think James understands that. He, like, you know, he's grew sure. up in MMA. He knows how it works.
0: Yeah, 100%. But it also goes from like kind of a huge main event fight and the toughest fight of James's career to like four weeks out. You're no longer the main event. You know, it's. It, I'm sure, look, four weeks is plenty of time to adjust to that and prepare mentally. But it is, I, I'm sure it's a, like a little bit of a blow for James personally. But, you know, maybe ten percent of a blow and ninety percent happiness for for his uh, for his friend and brother that they've been there a long time. And you know, I'm sure that's a question he'll probably be sick of being asked by the time it comes to the end of it. But it's yeah, I, I would agree with you. I don't think it's a, it's a major thing at all. But um, you know, it's it's great for us. You know, as someone who's covered the sport in Ireland for what nearly a decade now. At this stage, I suppose, uh, in fact, Severe May around for a decade, which we will be talking about soon again. Um, to have a title fight here, you know we've okay. There's been cage warriors fights back in the day and everything like that, but it's been a long, long time now since there was a big international um, promotion that have has brought a title fight here. And the fact that we're going to see, you know, the the lightweight title of bellator on here is absolutely fantastic and a very good fight as well. You know, the first fight was was really exciting. Queely just he didn't give a shit in that fight. He went out and you know he threw it all at tricky and ended up paying off for him. And you know uh this is going to be five rounds now it'll be interesting to see how that changes things and how as you mentioned there you know with the atmosphere and walking out to uh to zombie to Dolores O'Riordan, and that beautiful Limerick voice and uh, all the fans chanting it, how that is going to you know uh do for for uh, Patricky because look we we've um We've spoken to people who've been, and you've been there at all the big events, and even Ariel, when he came over to Ireland, you know, he said it was the most insane crowd he's ever seen, even though it's only 9,000 or whatever. And if there's a title fight there with an Irish man in it, that is going to be insane. And look, with all due respect, Bellator, Bellator don't have fights like that. You know, Bellator don't have the insane madness of like the biggest fight in the world where. You know, if you have that, if you have an event in Ireland and it's an Irish man in a title fighter like we had with McGregor in the, the main event and people kind of knew where he was on his way to go, it's a different level. It's a different level of intensity. It's a different level of of crowd. And it's not nasty crowd or, you know, it's not dangerous or not. no one's going to be attacking him on the streets or anything. But it's the unbelievable. I, I, I look, to not to... Uh, not to uh, praise Liverpool or anything, but it's a bit like the Anfield support. Well, once you get in there anyway, outside is a bit different. But in there, it's the pure, unbelievable atmosphere that the fans give to their home team drives them on to a different level. And I feel like it's the same thing for the Irish fans, it's, it's a, or for the Irish fighters even. What, what a huge thing to have behind you as you go into the fight. And that's surely a big part for Queedy, isn't it, as he goes in here?
1: Yeah, I think as well. Like some of that will be, but will be built on how the Irish results go. Before that, you know, if if James has come out and won, the crowd will be on a high. And like, you know, the uh, you mentioned UFC Dublin there, the momentum built from Paddy to to Call to Neil to Norman. You know, it just kept building, building, building. Everybody kept winning. There were some crazy fights in there, obviously to come from behind. So like I, obviously, if all the Irish guys have lost, maybe there'll be a bit of a, a subdued. Uh, obviously it's not going to be quiet but it might not be what it could be but uh, you know uh, I think you know particularly Bitbull's fought around the world and he's 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 fought what 30, 30 odd times I'm not sure how many times 30 odd times he's fought everywhere he's fought in some big fights but you know, the atmosphere here could be you know the most hostile atmosphere he's ever entered into and you know he's coming off a, a loss to this guy obviously it was a it was a doctor stoppage but uh you know, the, the tide had kind of turned in that fight in my opinion. So um yeah, this is this is a huge fight for both. Like this is isn't just a huge fight for Peter Greedy, it's a huge fight for Pitbull as well. The pressure's on him as well.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. And I uh, it's one of those fights that I, I really enjoyed the first one and I was kind of calling for the rematch, even if it wasn't gonna be in Ireland. And in for it to be a title fight as well, it just it just adds a bit more to be honest. And it's great. I'm I am i am looking forward I, I think I looked the other day at when like the second it was announced on the mma hour last week um i looked at the ticket sales and you can see you know what seats are free and i would say there's maybe 25 to 30 percent of the tickets free um and i'll, I'll check here now the next time you're talking but i i guarantee you there's less than that now and once it gets to uh to closer to the time i bet you there'll be a lot less as well because people will want to go and see this fight and you know Obviously, the people listening to this who are not from Ireland, the, the coronavirus situation here is is pretty good at the moment. Everything is opening up, um, and we're still you know around the same number of cases per day. And you know we had one great day, the best day we've had in a long time, and then two days later we had the worst day we had in a while. But it, it wasn't you know it was went from one thousand to two thousand or something like that. So. Um, not anything crazy or anything here, so we're in a very good situation with the coronavirus here in Ireland. So I wouldn't envisage any problems there now. <laughs> Fingers crossed, touch wood here. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, it's a great time, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the to see everybody come back. And obviously, we will have loads and loads and loads of coverage uh, on that on here on the podcast and on Severe May uh, over over the next couple of weeks. And we will, we will discuss that and break that card down um, in in detail. Another card the week after, though. And maybe this could have been on it as well. Chris Cyborg versus Sinead Kavanagh. There were rumours, Graham, going around that this could have been on it, but I'm <laughs> I'm, um, I'm not surprised, to be honest, that the fight is not on it. Now, Chris, I know she was up on her Twitter there. Yeah, the other day. Go on.
1: Yeah, I think Cyborg just doesn't want to fight in Ireland. Yeah. I think she just doesn't like the hostility or the the comments that she gets from Irish Irish fans and she just doesn't want... She just preferred to fight in America. It's just easier for her. She doesn't. She's you know she's a champion. She doesn't know she needs anything. So that's probably her kind of view on it. It's like why would I? I was
0: I was actually we were chatting about it as well in Patreon the other end. Someone uh, replied to me and said, uh, "There's two things, right? So as I was mentioned, there, Cyborg was on Twitter and she was. I think she was filming a, a movie there up until like last week. So she doesn't have that long to prepare for. What are we five to six weeks out now? So not too long to prepare." Travelling to another country and cutting weight as well as someone who struggled to make weight at 145 in the past might have been something in her thinking as well. So, you know, add those two things together and you can't blame her as well. And as you mentioned, you know, she is the champion. Uh, so it's, you know, she really calls the shots there as as she should. But for Sinead Kavanagh, it's actually, a, I, I spoke to Sinead today, but the interview will be coming out maybe in another week or 10 days or so like that. But it was brilliant but she, she Sinead is bang up for it I'll tell you that and um, she I think that the thing with Sinead is right and, and I can ask her this question as well and everyone will hear it but most people who go in there with Cyborg right because there are so few elite women in the world in terms of MMA in terms of like who could who could you say you know Chris Cyborg, maybe uh, you know definitely Amanda Nunes, Kayla Harrison, and maybe then one or two more. Maybe you could put in Holly Holm. Maybe you could put in Jermaine Durandeme, one or two more. Very very few in terms of that weight class. Obviously you have Shushinko and a lot of one ers but you know what I mean. She's been in there with Katie Taylor. You know, She's been in there with Kelly Harrington, two Olympic gold medalists. She's won five national championships. She's fought internationally in, in boxing. And I know it's a different sport, but to the be in there with the level of athlete, to spar on daily basis with that level of athlete for years and years and years and years is is a different thing that I think most people do not have that go in there and face Cyborg and now it might make no difference you know Cyborg is going to be the the, the, the big favourite but I think it I think it does benefit her a little bit what do you think?
1: Yeah definitely like you know she's not going to be afraid of uh, Cyborg striking we've seen that before where where people are tentative they come in and they're kind of going for takedowns even if it's not really their game there'll be none of that from Sinead Sinead will be you know trying to trying to box trying to make this uh, make this a striking match and you know Cyborg will probably oblige like uh she obviously, you know, uh, avoids the ground game a, as much as she can historically. So, I think uh, you, you know it's it, uh, it's 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 a difficult style matchup, obviously, for Sinead because Cyborg is a very good striker with a lot of power, and she's a, she's a big girl for the division, as you mentioned. She has a uh, historically, she has some trouble making weight and stuff like that. But you know, uh, as you said, sinead has been in there with some heavy hitters in terms of uh, strikers and she's and she's not gonna she's not gonna care away from it and and she's been waiting for this you know she's been talking about this fight for a long time kind of behind the scenes i'm sure you, when you've talked to her she's mentioned it a lot of times this, this is a this is like the accumulation of uh, what she's been doing in mma since, since she made the switch from boxing
0: 100 mm-hmm, percent and you know even as someone uh, unbiased looking at it and looking at the, the, that division uh there's probably no in that division who Cyborg hasn't already fought that you could say would give her a better fight than Sinead, I think. Now, maybe you'd argue Katzingano, but I just don't think Katzingano is where what she used to be either. And the style is never going to beat her. I, look, I would, I'll pick Cyber to win that fight without a shadow of a doubt. But I feel like Sinead could give her a couple of problems. Now I think she'd probably overcome those problems. Don't get me wrong; I'm not saying Sinead's going to go in there and win. But that, bo- if she can get it into a boxing match, and if she can get Cyber kind of coming at her and she counters her, you know, kind of like Amanda Nunes did, but maybe not as in a mad enough firefight like that. You don't want that. But if she can make it into a technical boxing match. Make no mistake about it, Sinead Kavanagh is a world-class boxer, and I'm, that's not me going overboard, she's literally, she's a five-time Irish national boxing champion, and Irish, but to win an Irish national boxing championship, it means something, you know, Ireland has some of, literally, the greatest female boxers of all time. Uh, when she was coming up so it's that that definitely means something uh, and you know um, okay mixed martial arts is, is a different game but I'm, as I said if she can drag her into that but I I think it just based on that alone There's when Cyborg fights when Amanda Nunes fights there's very little intrigue but I do think there is a little bit of intrigue now maybe it's because I'm Irish and maybe I am biased and Sinead Sine Cavada has great time for me and I have great time for Sinead Cavada so maybe I am I'll take it out she's, she's my Irish wonderboy. so I will but uh, I'm looking forward to the fight and I'm, uh, you know Sinead had a tough life a really really tough life and for her to get to where she's gotten to is an absolute credit and uh, you know I don't often get inspired by people who listen talking to Sinead today she would inspire you and I'm I'm delighted for her and I'm looking forward to the fight as well I, I think it'll be fun and it, what an upset it would be and what a story it would be it would be absolutely fantastic and you know Kelly Harrington was the same this year she wasn't supposed to win you know she wasn't uh, talked about as being the gold medalist winner and she went out and did it and uh, you know She'd hate to say herself she's, she's the same She's not fancy But she's going to do it So let's see We, we will see But uh, I'm looking forward to And look it's a great time For Irish MMA It wasn't too long ago We were saying Irish MMA It was in <laughs> The doldrums is, is the wrong phrase But in the doldrums in, in the case of No one could get a fight Everywhere stopped There's no promotions Going on You know Paul Hughes was injured Conor McGregor was Gone and injured For a while You know We weren't sure What was going to happen With uh, Um with, with loads of different, with Cage Warriors coming back, with the UFC, with the Bellator, you know, Bellator fucking releasing everyone. But now we've, you know, it feels like there's light there. Reese McKee could be fighting for a title again soon. We all, you know, everyone probably thinks he will for the welterweight title. We have the champs, you know, the the Ulster champs, as I like to call them now. Um, um, Paul Hughes and Joe McClough and Liam McCourt just winning the gold over in the IBJJFs with Coach McGahan uh, around. And she was in the co-main event last week. And we have the Jimmy Coleman of in show coming up, and Quayle and Sinead, and there's probably someone I'm I'm missing out, but uh, you know, as uh, well, Brian
1: Moore is kind of Brian quietly Moore. making his yeah. way through the through the belt of rankings with no kind of um
0: yeah.
1: fanfare as usual,
0: and he's fighting in two weeks time. He's fighting in the week before that, so three weeks stint of three Irish fighters in a row coming up there. So that's going to be um. That's going to be some time for Irish MMA and Ian Garry as well <laughs> fighting in, in the UFC making his debut the same weekend as as Bellator Dublin. So, what a... Yeah, and what the, and the only
1: man to have beaten Ian Garry uh, ever in MMA an amateur MMA picked up a win tonight at Cl- uh, Clan Wars.
0: Yes, the, the results are actually up there. Who was who that? Andreas Binder, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah Binder obviously beat uh, uh, G. Anderson Castro who's a long-time Irish MMA veteran by TKO in the third round to win the the vacant uh, welterweight title for, for Clam Wars, and in the main event, uh, Nathan Kelly won the won the featherweight title with a uh, TKO in the first round over Shamrock. Um, and there was a bunch of other amateur fights and pro fights on the on the card as well. Adam Gustav, actually, who uh who Paul Hughes made his uh, uh debut in Bama, I think it was uh. Uh, against he, he he got a first round submission in a 150 uh, hundred and fifty pound professional bout uh, and the rest of the card was an amateur card but it's you know it's good to have clan wars back to, to there's uh, obviously a uh, lo- lot more going on up uh, in Ulster as a uh, as you name say uh, than in Dublin but hopefully you know w- with uh, with Bellator now now coming back so w- if this goes ahead like you said fingers crossed n- n- there's no developments for coronavirus or anything like that but it looks like it is, uh, it's definitely another uh, positive sign for Irish MMA.
0: Yeah 100% and Cage Legacy actually have a card as well uh, coming up here in the next <laughs> 10 days or so I know Quilch is working that as well and Quilch has done great stuff he put up this card as well um, and uh, yeah so it's, it's great to see all the promotions coming back and you know we need places like clan Wars and like uh like cage legacy as well and I know Queach is all over that so it's great neil o'neil as well as all over and andy and the lad so yeah it's uh it's fantastic to see and you know as uh, hopefully cage warriors can get back as you mentioned you know the ufc why, what what would be stopping the ufc from coming to ireland now as well i think it'd be a perfect time because i know the the travel restrictions are opening up with the with uh, america as well uh so you know there aren't many places worldwide I think that are open as much as Ireland will be to, to do events soon. So I think uh, you know I I don't think it'll be too uh, too beyond the runs of possibility for the UFC to be back in Ireland soon. So look, hopefully that happens and hopefully uh, hopefully we see it soon. But anyway, um, let's uh, let's talk about the uh, the UFC that went down tonight: uh, Marina Rodriguez versus Mackenzie Dern. Um, I actually ran in before the announcement. the The, uh, <laughs> the decision was announced. Well, I assume it was a 49-46 unanimous decision, was it for uh for Marina Rodriguez? Uh, in a in a very odd fight. So we, let's talk about that one first. Um, I look. It was one of those fights where in the first round you could see what Mackenzie Dern was kind of trying to do. She was getting. You know, not that badly hit. She was trying to make it a stalemate, staying absolutely miles apart. Uh, and she was tying her up when she could. She did at one stage, she couldn't take her down. Nothing really happened and Rodriguez just kind of landed more and won that round. And in the second, she listened to Jason Perlow between rounds. He said, attack, attack and didn't go for the clinch. And that's exactly what she did after about a minute Um she got the takedown. Rodriguez almost got a choke from the bottom, which well, she did almost get the choke, but she did waste a bit of time there. Dern moved to Mount. She was landing big shots. Um, she just decided kind of to beat her up when I thought the submission was there, to be honest. And she just didn't she didn't go for it. And I thought she could have gone for a little bit more. there was a case for a 10-8 in that round. But then from then on in, just McKenzie Dern uh, did it.
1: I don't know about a 10-8 there. I, uh, I, I, know, I
0: wouldn't give it. But I think there there is a case just for... Domination and duration She had two of the 3Ds I didn't think she had enough damage But I I wouldn't have given the 10-8 But from then on in McKinsey Lerne just did nothing Especially in the third round Absolutely nothing did she got it down for the last minute of the fourth round? Wasn't enough. And in the fifth round, she landed some better shots, but not even a look at a takedown. She almost got a takedown with kind of a leg pick on one stage but not yeah. the poor.
1: You know, I, I I think she's got a lot of problems that were exposed there. Like her conditioning isn't great, her her striking isn't great, her her movement on the feet isn't great, uh, her her, her takedowns aren't great, um. You know, she, she she didn't look great at all there. You know, she had she had her chance in the second round. And as you said, instead of going for the submission, kind of all out, which she should have done, that's like her only method of winning this fight. Um, And she didn't go for it for whatever reason. Um, Yeah, she never came close to the submission, in my opinion. And she just didn't look good, I think.
0: Yeah, I, I would tend to agree with everything you, th- you said there. And the weird thing about it as well, usually when I see a fighter like that who's you know a good athlete and has good submissions, is that not necessarily they're coached wrong, but they can't do the right things to get to the fight to the right place. McKinsey Dorn showed in the second round that she can. Jason Perillo told her exactly what to do to get... Close the distance to get inside And she showed that she could do it So this one wasn't one of these fights So let's say it's a wrestler fighting the striker And the wrestler just could not get him down You know, he just couldn't do it then you'd say, okay, fair enough. Or if it's a striker and just could not allow someone fighting Habib, just cannot stop the takedown, just can't do it. You'd say, look, fair enough. But Mackenzie Dern could do it. It was it was weird because Rodriguez didn't really change up the way she fought at all. You know, she was jabbing. She Maybe she jabbed a little bit more and did a couple more things up the pace a little bit. But as you said, I think Dern kind of got tired and she didn't have, like, the, the gas to to get forward and the, the kind of the... um you know the the nas to uh, be a, a little bit faster to get inside than rodriguez was to circle away from the the incoming attempts and she just kind of gave up on it then at that stage i thought it was it was it was bizarre it was a really a bizarre fight and i understand i understand if you're picking your poison you know if you're picking your time to get the takedowns and it seemed like she was doing that but when you're doing that you can't gas you know and you you can't be a fighter who um, is getting kind of beat up from the outside but getting more tired when you're trying to throw these big shots from the outside and just missing them and whiffing on everything. It's, it's, yeah, it was very basically bad mixed martial arts tonight. And I, like, I hate, we, we don't like coming on here criticizing people but like when, if you can't criticize a main event performance like that tonight from McKinsey Dern, you're never going to criticize anything because it was really bad. It was Really, really bad. Uh, and you'd nearly feel sorry for Jason Brillo on the corner kind of looking at that and, like, thinking, well, God Almighty, what am I supposed to say? I'm showing her all the right things. She can do the right things, and she's just not listening and not doing them or ha- hasn't the ability to do them. It was... Uh It was weird, but in in fairness to Marina Rodriguez, she did her job, you know, and many people would have lost in that second round in that position, uh, but she came out and she was confident afterwards, she wasn't that worried about the takedown, she was circling away at the right time, landing a beautiful jab down through the middle, and I, I I wouldn't say it was a blow away performance from her though, she just, she did... She did more than enough to beat Mackenzie Dern, but it was an easy fight for her. Really moving to fifteen and one, and moving up in that hundred and fifteen pound division. Um,
1: yeah. but- she ma- she actually made it a little bit more difficult for herself than <laughs> maybe she could have. Yeah, she, she put herself in a couple of situations where she, she gave Mackenzie Dern what she wanted without her having to work for it. But um, yeah, I think you know uh, she, she's still like learning a trade, and it's 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 you know a big win and a big main event, and you got to give her credit for it uh I think she kind of fought a bit more patient than than for 90 percent of the fight anyway I think she fought a bit more patient than uh she has in the past obviously that's due probably due to the respect she has for Mackenzie Du's uh ground game but as you said when she did get in bad position she didn't panic and you know she she went for a submission of her own I don't know, I don't know how close it was or anything like that but you know she was she she wasn't um she wasn't like a duck out of water on the ground like we sometimes see, seen with some, uh, some of these, uh, some of these um, Muay Thai strikers.
0: Yeah. I, I also thought it was very weird that McKinsey Dern had her, had her child there. Like, I thought it was the same with Max Holloway at that time. Was, was it the party FID lost and his son was there? It's like, I just don't think that's a good energy to have with you at the fights. You know, you saw McGregor even talking about that the last time that he was like, I don't want my children around this time when I'm fighting. I love them, but they need to stay away. That's you know, that's daddy time. This is warrior time, kind of. And so it's weird that her child was there in the crowd. And like, it's not a crowd of fifty thousand where maybe you could you wouldn't even see him or whatever. It was a crowd of like what a hundred people or one hundred and fifty people or whatever that you could you know they're there. You're looking at them walking out. I don't know. Maybe it made no difference, but I don't know. I just never liked that Hollywood. I think. Who's done it as well? I, don't I think was it Eddie Alvarez? I don't know. Some someone else did as well, but definitely Max Holloway. And uh, I don't know. It just it just doesn't seem it just seems a bit odd to me. Uh, like in terms of you're going to work, you know. This is, you know, you see like certain teams they put under uh they put on their uh, their suit and tie and they're going to work, and you have to get into that mindset that you're going to work. And even MMA is a lot different because. You need to get into that mindset. You're going to war, and it just didn't feel like McKinsey Dern was in that mindset. And look, maybe that's a tactic. Maybe she's better at fighting when she is more relaxed and more flowy. But I don't know. It but, certainly uh, didn't look like. did mind.
1: say to her one stage in in the corner. He said like, "Are you with me? Are you are you in the zone?" Or something along these lines uh, to her in the corner, like so kind of snap out, snap into it, nearly.
0: So that, like, that would lead to what I'm saying being, you know, having some legitimacy. So. Yeah, it was it was just an odd fight really. I, after the first round, I honestly I thought it was going to be an absolute fucking stinker. It did get a little bit better for a couple of rounds and then the last few rounds were were good in terms of the performance from Rodriguez, even though Dern just did not. Like that third round, I, I couldn't believe how little she did. She just didn't attempt anything. And Jason Brillo literally came and said to her after the third round, Oh, you took a round off. He's like and I, I honestly I think if she is going to have success, I think Jason Brillo probably is the man because we've seen even other fights tonight, people lying to their fighters in the corner, Tell them they're up two rounds and all this shit. Jason Brillo didn't lie. You know, we both gave examples there. He didn't lie to her at one stage tonight. He taught her the right things to do throughout. And hopefully she listens to him a little bit more and sticks in him a little bit more. Because I still think McKinsey Darn is a good fighter and she has, you know, she has the ability to get there. Very, very good athlete. And, you know, we know what she's like on the ground. But it's just. <sighs> It, it, she's there's a percentage of her there that is just not at it yet and uh, look the, the elite level jiu-jitsu is taking her jiu even is taking her to a certain level in the UFC but it'll only take her to a certain level as we've mentioned you know a hundred times before and if she doesn't improve, if she doesn't find ways to use that jiu better, she's going to be left behind in that division. And that's the that's the fact of it. And look at someone like Rodriguez. She's well-rounded and she's not being left behind. She's climbing. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, to what she does next. She'll be fun. Um, sure,
1: sure, as you would say, jiu doesn't work anyway. So,
0: And was I not proven right again tonight?
1: Was there not a, a, an armbar that you armbar? even got a tweet on screen armbar? about?
0: Yeah, no. <laughs> I had a tweet on screen About an armbar As As your one was fucking Balling crying I was One of the <laughs> One of the moments One of the moments That I'll never be fucking forgotten Your one Balling her eyes out And there's me bar I, oh, I enjoyed that a lot, but anyway um, we learned through this card pretty quickly The uh, Randy Brown, Jared Gooden fight The story of that fight, I suppose, was Randy Brown Smashing his toes Off of either the fence yeah. or a front kick No,
1: it was the, the front kick to the throat I think it was, or yeah. to the jaw It was a I lovely that, front that kick though, front though, wasn't it? it was Yeah, it. it was, but uh, I think the, the, the damage Was done to his toe and he kept Having to kind of stomp it into place And you know, uh, the best the best option for Gooden probably would have been to try and clinch him up against the face and stomp on his toe, but uh, he he uh, he just dominated. Uh, Brown was kind of yeah. able to do what he have have his way with him on the, the feet, feed, uh, despite the the toe injury. And you know, Brown he came in he was pretty raw, but he seems to be putting it together now. He like you know he obviously his opponent isn't isn't you know upper echelon or anything close to that, but Brown, I think, has made noticeable improvements in his all-round game and, you know, maybe he came into the UFC a bit too early, but he's he's definitely worth his place now.
0: He reminds me a little bit of Neil Magny in that I see him one time and I think, oh, this guy could be, like, a uh, contender level. And I see him in the next one he's like, nah, nah. <laughs> so I don't know. I find it hard to call ready. Uh, also, before we get into more in this fight, who is the lad that Mike Goldberg always talks about when it's foot stomps? Who is it? Is it fucking... Is it Murillo Bustamante or oh the f- Oh my um, god that's gonna annoy me? is a Marco who asked for someone or oh no, that's the is that oh, I don't know, I can't remember. But yeah, he always says the same person. Someone will probably roar at me you now. Tweeted. Tweeted at Shaunchi and BA. Um But yeah, yeah. Look, Randy Brown I thought he was good. He was a bit more uh he was kind of flexing in the cage and he was, you know, putting his hands up to his ear and stuff, and it was it was it was good, but like he did dominate, but it was one of those fights where both guys Landed a lot of shots, but nothing seemed to hurt anyone. The most hurtful shot was Randy Brown hurting his own toes while kicking Jared Gooden in the face. It it nearly was like it was it was weird because Gooden was landing some lovely leg kicks. They didn't really, I know now that nowadays we we are kind of um, we're trained to believe all leg kicks are fucking fightenders. And they were kind of saying that in commentary. Also, don't forget, make me mention the commentary after this as well. But they they were—I didn't think they were landing much. Um, Gooden actually lost his mouthpiece after the first round, I believe it was, and they were like looking for it in in the corner. But uh, round two was a little bit closer because of bad toes. but round still won. And round three was a bit of a higher press from Brown, and he was—he was just eating him up a bit. But um, yeah, as, as you mentioned, Brown was just the better fighter all around here. I think. Uh, And Randy Brown just, uh, or uh, Jared Gooden even didn't really have much for him, but yeah, come here to me. What about the commentary? Like, I I was so happy with the commentary tonight. I thought it was fantastic. We, you know, we've had the three-man boot so often in the last couple of years, you'd nearly forget how good the two-man boot is. It was just so enjoyable. Paul Felder could talk. He could discuss stuff. John Anik could talk. There wasn't some fucking idiot talking over The, the all. The
1: old, the old school three-man three boot used to be where they'd bring in the third man kind of occasionally, if, yeah. if, you know, an expert, like an Eddie Bravo mm-hmm. or, like, something like that, you know what I mean? But now it's just, like, as you say, people talking over each other, uh, bad jokes being made to try and make each other laugh, and nobody really has room to make a point. And, you know, I do agree that definitely that... Uh, Two men boots work much better.
0: Yeah, uh, I don't think honestly, I don't think anyone could disagree after tonight. Whether you like Felder or like Carme or like Cruz or whoever you think it might be, just letting someone discuss something, letting someone say something, letting it flow, even like little bits of quietness throughout the fight. There's, oh my god, it's just I I don't I don't understand how the UFC production team will listen to that. And then listen to a card from last week or next week and think it's better. There's just no way. It's way better. It's so uh, much come better. Come on, there's better no, better.
1: no way. They, 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 could, they could be listening to Daniel Cormier next week and give him another oh million dollar bonus. <laughs>
0: oh, God. I'm, I don't understand. I really don't. But I I also agree with the... Do you know the, the problem as well with the three-man boot when they have the Fort man as well? That's way too much. I was realising it tonight as well. It's like... I wouldn't mind how you only have the Fortman said it. Din Thomas, uh, who was was it? Jason? No, it wasn't. It was uh, Trevor Whitman who did it. To have him there when there's three other lads in the boot is absolutely crazy altogether. I wouldn't mind, as you said, having that person there, even you just got them in the middle of a round or, or the middle of the second round or something like that, when there is the two-man boot. I think that makes a lot of sense. Even if it is, you know, some tactical point they put up or they press a button when they have something to say and they come on once or twice a night. I think that's absolutely perfect. But I think less is w- definitely more, without a shadow of a doubt, Um for, for all these events, it's just it's just so great. It is really really good, and uh, I think they should do that more because they have enough commentators as well. To, um, that you can have you know uh, Gooden one week, Anik one week, Fitzgerald one week. You could have you know Cruz one week. You could have Bisping one week. You could have Felder one week, and never have Carmier. You know, it'd be absolutely fantastic. It just. And it, it'd satisfy everyone's needs to do it that way. So please do that. Megan and Evie as well. I have to mention her. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, she's brilliant. Actually, have you listened, or have you watched any of the Contender series yet? Because Laura Sanko's on that and I haven't haven't watched any of it yet. So, but I'm interested. Actually, coming up this no, week. No, I,
1: I watched a few of the early ones, but um, uh, I just... Uh, can't do it on the Tuesday. I just, like, gonna, it's yeah, bad, yeah, it's... Well, this Just week, too much going
0: uh, on. Jake Hadley is on it, and so is Chris Duncan. So I'll definitely be watching it this Tuesday, uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing what Laura Sanko sounds like. I'm not the biggest fan of Laura Sanko as like an outside the cage Megan oleary type reporter. She does like that show, the Wayne in show, and I think she's absolutely fantastic on it. I think she's a great like presenter like that, a great on the desk. Uh, but I'm very interested to see what she's like because. You know, she she has that experience as a fighter, but also the experience as a broadcaster as well. So I think that might lead to being a good play-by-play person. Now, uh, let me let me know your opinions. If you have any questions uh, on that as well, let me know over on Patreon. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing her this Tuesday and and uh, listen to hear what. Uh, hear what she sounds like but anyway let's uh let's jump back into this card here we, we'll be here all night otherwise otherwise uh matthias nicolau versus tim elliot well this was an <laughs> this was an interesting one uh elliot was being elliot in the first round nicolai just couldn't cope but it landed and nodding at all in the second round it was all nicolau landing to the body um a lot um elliot was just missing apart from like minute treat the four and just landed nodding and then in the the third round nicolau got a takedown around two minutes in landed some good stuff and ended up winning the fight. Unanimous decision, twenty nine, twenty eight, and uh, you could just tell after. Oh, yeah, he didn't
1: really, uh, he didn't really land that great stuff. No. Uh, Elliot kind of tied no. him up pretty well, but it was, uh, yeah, I think he edged evening, around. Yeah. He edged around, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, predictably, after Tim Elliot was told in the corner that he was up two rounds, he was kind of mad afterwards. But like this is the case, he, and Tim Elliot, without a shadow of it, out, stalled throughout that third round, and I think. Uh, you know, some people <laughs> were, were advocating for the, the open scoring after this, and I'm like, well, okay, so why did Tim Elliott stall, right? Because he thought he was up two rounds. Imagine the fight. He was up two rounds, and he was told an open scoring. What's going to happen then? And what's going to happen when that happens in the you know in, in the Randy Brown When you fight? know
1: for sure yeah. as well it's different. <laughs> or you can what, tell where you What's
0: going to happen in the fifth round of Rodriguez versus Darn when she hears she's three up? So Cordy Santagan went on the MMR this week and said... People in the NFL, they kneel for two minutes towards the end of the game uh, with the ball to to uh, stop the time. In basketball, they uh, they just stop playing. They they work the clock out to get the end to the end. Uh, why shouldn't it be different? MMA. Oh, if you're listening to that and you're. Uh, an advocate for open scoring, I don't know what you're trying to achieve here. You're trying to achieve shitty fights is what you're trying to achieve. Open scoring is the stupidest fucking idea in so many different aspects. And And there's the single person I hear talking about open scoring That has put any thought into it. Honestly. There there really isn't. Okay, there's a couple maybe. But very, very few. It's the stupidest fucking idea. And fights like this prove that Tim Elliott thought he was up two rounds. And he he literally... Nicola got on top of him. And Tim Elliott went into that fucking thing where you catch your... uh, In like the 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 triangle from the bottom. And then you catch your leg. And you just fucking hold him in there. And just stop for three minutes and then whoever the fucking referee was didn't bother standing up also Mark Smith again Mark Smith is the worst fucking referee this guy this guy trying to be a celebrity referee going on Joe Rogan oh my god he just there was a, what fight was it I have a written down here on my notes somewhere wherever it was I'll get to it but there was a guillotine on and the guy who was caught in the guillotine was holding the cage and Mark Smith started roaring let it go let it go let it go while the guy was in the fucking holding onto a guillotine and he was like, he couldn't see the fin crab it was behind him, and I don't know if he let it. He let it go soon afterwards. I, I don't think he let it go because Smith was was shouting that. But still, God Almighty, what? Just uh, he he annoys me so much. But anyway, uh, any any other thoughts on the the Tim Elliott low fight before we move on?
1: Um, not really. Uh, like Elliott, I think you know the his herky jerky kind of style. It's hard to figure out, but like you know, in the first round, but I think. I think you know he's kind of the game's kind of passed him by. You know what I mean? He he's, he's kind of I don't see him. I don't see him yeah. really causing trouble for anybody. Uh, anybody good anymore? Uh, you know, I, I think the Demetrius Johnson was the kind of the peak for him, and obviously that's that's a pretty high peak. So for to him, but yeah. you know, this this fight was just. He just kinda he just kinda fell apart after the first round. I don't know. How his corner thought he was uh thought he was within winning the second round. It was one of it was, what, it was well, he,
0: he kinda lost it more than Nikola won it. You know, it was yeah, it wasn't great. Anyway. Um Agapova, which I uh, Agap Aga, Aga, oh, I can't say it. Agapova, Agapova, uh beat uh, Sabina Mazo. What a performance! Did you just her? get
1: the feeling watching the confidence she had uh, at the start of the before the fight even started that she was going to win?
0: Yeah, she was one of those ones. It was, it was like I, I find it hard. But in that first round, sometimes you see fighters like that and you think, oh, at the start, okay, they're going to win. They come out and they look so flowy, but then the uh, Sabina Maza was taking the sh- the shots so well, and Agapova was fighting at such a high pace. I was kind of like, oh Jesus this might end up going badly for her. But the intelligence of, uh, I'm just going to call her Agapova, to to switch in the second round and to fight at a, a slower sort of pace, which was still a good pace, which she was still a, at a very much a winning pace. I think that was very, very smart. Because otherwise, I think she was going to gas and would have let Mazo back into it. So she took it a little bit more easy on her knowing that Mazo kind of could take those shots. And I think that was so good. And then in the third, she opened up a little bit more again and you know ended up getting the, the KO and the submission basically with Mazo kind of tapping as the fight was going to the ground but she knew you know she knew it was over I'm not saying she gave up or anything but what a performance really good like not just not just technically good you know I thought it was mentally good as well and intelligent fight IQ at a, a high level and the ability to finish as well god almighty it's hard to say anything bad about her here it was a wonderful performance wasn't it
1: yeah it really was a very good performance uh, you know um, uh, obviously she need to see her step up a bit um, a bit more you know um, her, her her opponent Mazzo didn't look great you know uh, obviously uh, obviously you know you can only beat what's in front of you but as you said she looked like she kind of had a good understanding a good fight IQ she looked like she can put it together she, she looks like she 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 has a lot of tools, but it's hard to say, you know, until we see her against more of a known quantity.
0: Yeah, I would tend to agree with that. But yeah, she look the step up will be interesting, and to see how she gets on uh, in the step up. But uh, I think it's good. But after that performance, it was it was uh, it was fantastic. Then um, we have Chris Gutierrez versus uh, Felipe Calares, who I always call. C- Calar- Corrales for some reason because it's so close. like I just can't say that now. But uh, Corrales got off... Uh, I just did it again. Corrales got off to uh, a good start. Um, it was kicking to the body a lot and we know from Gutierrez in the past, which we'll definitely forget before he fights again the next time as you know, all these fighters are just... Random UFC fighters that we remember every time they're fighting and immediately forget, but anyway, but he kicks the leg a lot and um, I thought Calares did a really good job, just kind of stopping that leg kick, lifting up the front leg, kicking to the body himself and he won that battle, he won that kicking battle, there was a long clinched in in the middle of the round, thought it was close, but I thought uh, Calares did enough to win it. Uh, in the second round then, um, Gutierrez won, uh, won that pretty clearly. He was just jabbing him up and landing loads of kicks. And then the third it was close again. Calares got the takedown, didn't really do much with it. Um, Gutierrez landed a lot of shots for a minute uh, and almost got the finish. But then Gutierrez did end up winning it in the end on my car 29-28. And I think it was a split decision, yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I thought the second and third were pretty, um, you know, pretty good for Gutierrez I, I don't really I one judge gave the second to Calares and I don't really see that at all I think he just kind of got jabbed up and beaten up in that um so it was a, a good performance from Gutierrez in a good way and I don't I think the split decision is a, a little bit off there but sure look if that's the only bad round we have in the night it's it's all right um then the heavyweight fight uh Alexander Romanov versus Jared Vandera look when two you know slightly overweight heavyweight there's an overweight heavyweight myself come out <laughs> come out you're you're not expecting it to be as technical and good as this i was very surprised at this fight thought it was very good um there was a lot of exchanges uh late in the first round um after maybe a technical start to the fight well there was a bit of madness at the very start and then the technique in the middle of it uh putting in the second round Roman, I've just got on top mounting the decimation Mark Smith, he really should have stopped that earlier. I thought he was just taking lots of shots. Um and he that was the fight as well where the guillotine was on where he said to let it go. So that was that was pretty bad from him. But uh yeah. Um We'll run through the rest of the fights pretty quickly. Damon Jackson, Charles Rosa. Jackson's kind of dominated the fight. Actually, before the fight, Jackson's wife was sitting there. She was just shitting herself waiting, waiting for the fight to come out. She looked so nervous. It was uh it was funny, but I felt really bad for her at the same time. Uh Jackson was just beating him on the feet, um, landing on some ground and prone. Rosa almost had a knee bar, but Jackson's kinda of smashed that, him in the face. He held it at the end that of the round. Course. Yeah,
1: that cut right beside his eye looked nasty yeah, as well, didn't The
0: second, really, really bad. Yeah, it was the or was it the start of the third or so? It started the 3rd was doesn't it? Yeah, just landed that spinning elbow, the upward spinning elbow, and then he almost got himself into a rear naked choke by doing it. But yeah, from that moment on, there was just blood all over the canvas for the rest of the night, and it was it was on those ones where you couldn't see it because of the position was it was in, and it was just. It was just leaking like a tap all over the place. And um, I know a couple of judges gave him the round, but I, I still thought that uh, that Damon Jackson went and won that round. But he definitely deserved to win the fight, and fair play to him for fighting through it. Um, in the second round, he had that body triangling and got the back it as result. Well. But, uh, you know, Rose is always fun when it hits the ground because he's always in there. And I as I was kind of just half mentioned there, he got knee bar at the end of the first round, and he held on to it after the bell. And Damon Jackson was not at all happy with that. Uh, and I think for the rest of the fight, he fought in kind of a stubborn manner. Um, but uh, yeah, good stuff from him in a good fight uh, altogether, all told. Then Loopy got uh She was fantastic. Moves to six and one, just relentless. Got on top, on top all round, landing some nice stuff. Uh, she almost got an ankle pick at one stage. Um, her opponent Juarez turned the wrong way, and she got. I think um, Godina is in that what is it, hundred and fifteen town division? She's definitely someone you need to, to remember that name. Lu- Lupe Godinez, it's a great name. Definitely remember that as she's on her way through. So a very, very good performance there from her. And to me, the fight. I don't know if the fight of the night been announced yet, but I thought the first fight of the night fight, was the fight of the night. Uh, Steve Garcia versus Charlie Ontiveros. Ontiveros came out and knocked Garcia down three times or wobbled him three times anyway. Um, almost at the armbar. Uh Garcia had four minutes on top And you know I think he did win the round On all three judges But I gave it to thought That was one of those That was very very close Um, Landed a hard elbow He had a really really bad cut uh, As well In round two Antevares knocked him down again ground and pound there was just blood all over the place and even you know we were talking about the last fight actually there was blood there before uh, that point out because there was a lot of blood in this and then garcia just ended up destroying him in the end with ground and pound and you know um, john ennick said he looked like josh koschek uh with the blood in his hair and that was a very very appropriate call i think because he absolutely uh he absolutely did look like that so yeah um do you know what this was overall And i, I meant to say this at the start sometimes we get these cards and there's no standout fight on it at the very top or anywhere through it. Um, And we, you know, have the tendency to say, oh, this is a Dana White Contender Series card. This one was very high quality. I thought there was a lot of good fighters and a lot of high technical ability throughout the whole card. I was very, very impressed with it, to be honest. So... Kudos on this card. And, you know some cards are are brilliant, but it's down to like the you know the the level of the fight. Sometimes they're exciting, but they're not that good. But this one had it didn't have brilliant fights. It had some good fights, but I thought it was, I thought there was a lot of good technical performances. You know, I thought Romanoff fought well. I thought Lupi, as I mentioned, fought well. Um, Gutierrez, you know, Agapovas technically was brilliant in that fight. Randy Brown as well, and even Rodriguez. I thought she thought I fought technically well. So. Yeah, overall a very, a very, very good, uh, a very good card for someone like me who likes those sort of cards. But anyway, um, next week then there's two big cards: Bellator 268 and UFC Fight Night. The Bellator one is is much bigger, and um, uh, I'll ha- i have a, a, a wide ranging of preview on that <laughs> during the week. So uh, we we'll, we'll wait for that for a second. But just some of the fights in this, Graham, give a shout out if you take anything stands out. So. Um, I got from the bottom up some some of the good cards. Is on it. Brinson Henderson's wife is actually on this card, Maria Henderson, and he, Brinson Henderson, is on as well. He fights Brent Primus, uh, Henry Kralas versus uh, Yadislav Prabrochinka. Carl Albrechtson is on the card who was supposed to fight Chris Fields. He fights Yashimorodov, who uh, fought uh, Corey Anderson The last night. Corey Anderson's on the card. He fights Ryan Bader in the co-main event and the semi-final of the heavyweight tournament. And then Vadim Ninkov fights Julius Anglicus. Uh, in the main event for the 205 pound title in the other semi-final of the heavyweight tournament. So, all in all, it's a pretty good card. Lots of, uh, you know, lots of exciting fighters in this. And I said, I'll have a, a big preview of that during the week. So, everyone uh, look out for that. And I think stands out for you there, Graham. Who do you think will win Ryan Bader versus Corey Anderson?
1: I'd probably go with Bader just about. But, yeah, I'd go with Bader. But, you know, Anderson maybe, maybe could... You know, he out a decision, but yeah, no, go better.
0: Yeah, I I think it's an interesting one. I think the top two fights are actually very interesting. You know, you'd have to favor Nimkov a lot in the, you know, with Anglick taking a kind of on short notice and you know not being in there. But I I think I w- I would probably go with Corey Anderson just about in that one. So we'll have a five and Whoever wins wins the five round. We we'll go with that. And um, I I just the Benson Br- Anderson Prima's fight. I don't think that's gonna be a classic. I just I don't know.
1: well well, when's the last Benson Henderson classic uh, although Benson
0: he has been fighting a little bit more attacking in the last couple of fights I just think he's kind of and it hasn't gone well for him (laughs) it really hasn't but I think he kind of said uh, after he fought in Ireland he said in the post-fight press conference he's like I'm never going to fight in a boring fight again and in fairness okay he's ended up losing those two fights and the Jackson fight was kind of boring but I don't think it was down to him uh, more so than Jackson and uh, I'm a big fan of Jackson so I'm not saying anything against him but um I think he will try to make it exciting. And you know what? Actually, maybe Primus is... Primus is a weird fighter. He's, like, getting go-go platters one minute and then, like, wrestle boxing the next. He's an odd lad. But, yeah, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to that. And I thought... I, I forgot that Carl Albrechtson, or he did, I did... I was looking through the records. He's actually a win over Nimkov. So... Um, if he gets to win here you know and wins against uh, Yashimuradov, who was in the tournament, you know that could mean a lot for him and it could push him towards a, a bigger fight against someone say like if Bader lost here he could maybe be fighting him next and uh, maybe be that win away from being in the uh, in the title pitcher once the tournament ends so it's a big fight for him uh, as well and there's lots of local Arizona people uh, on it as well so yeah pretty good card I'm looking forward to it and then we're going into obviously more than after that the Irish card and then uh, Chris Cyborg versus Sinead Cavanaugh so a good run for Bellator here and uh, next week's UFC card uh, Aspen Lad versus Norma Dumont after yeah. yeah
1: it doesn't look good on paper this card <laughs> at all no
0: it's not a great It's not. hopefully it's yeah. similar to what we had tonight you know hopefully it delivers and we get to you know watch a good card but you know, watching a bit of yeah, Norma fought, Demont. the fights aren't
1: fought on paper, John, as I say. <laughs> they're not, they're <laughs> not,
0: indeed. Watching a bit of, and it's nine o'clock next week as well, so that's good. But Demont De is a pretty good striker. She hits pretty hard. She's atlet. Adla- she's we- It's weird. It's her she- at one forty-five, she's kind of a bigger shape, um, but moves very well. You know, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what she can do. Aspen Lad. You know, we spoke about Aspen Lad last week and missing weight and everything, but she's gone up now in weight, ten pounds heavier. How how much can you be? You know, recovered from that near death experience, fucking a week ago. I don't know what to, I don't know the answer to that one. Look, most I think she'd probably be fine. So, and I'm glad she's fighting a one forty five pounds. You know, maybe it's a blessing in disguise if she wins this. She's probably fighting for a title next. You know, so you know, it's if these two fought a 135, forty five, it'll probably be good matchmaking. So I've, I don't have much of a problem with a one forty five. I wish it was a couple of we- more weeks down the line for both of them, maybe. But um. Yeah, look, I think Aspinad will be coming in, probably looking for takedowns. Norman Demont will be coming in, looking to try to take her head off. So, should be a fun fight. Um, AEW is on. Andrei Arlovsky is taking a Carlos Felipe in. You know, another Brazilian, eleven and uh, eleven and one. He beat uh, Jake Collier in his last fight as well. He's you know he's that guy who. Um, who? Mm-hmm. Did he, what did he do? I don't know what he, he didn't do much. He said fucking it's, it's f- a four decisions. Very
1: winnable fight for fucking. Yeah. yeah,
0: you, you <laughs> would not believe are. we're saying
1: that in 2021. You would not in, in was October then. 2021. <laughs>
0: yeah, I pulled up. Uh, I pulled up Carlos Felipe there looking for something that he'd done that stands out. But split decision, split decision, unanimous decision, majority decision, loss. So. Yeah, Carlos Felipe, not not, not a standout here, <laughs> let's let's be honest here. Uh, Jim Biller's fighting Eric Gonzalez. I believe that's Eric Gonzalez's UFC debut, if I'm not mistaken. I saw someone saying that the other day. Are they right? Uh, they are, yeah. he won LXF in his last fight. So I wonder if that's in short notice. Let's pat back here. Let's see the topology Have it. Um, I don't think it is, actually. No, so, yeah, whatever. Uh, Mano Firo in 125 division. No, she's climbing as well. So her against um, Bueno Silva. That'll actually be a good fight. I'm actually looking forward to that. Julian Marquez against Jordan Wright. Uh, Andrew Sanchez, Bruno Silva. Danny Roberts against Imaev. That should be a good fight. I'm looking forward to that one. Sajari Eubanks against Catalina. Ludovic Klein against Landwehr. That should be a battle. <laughs> that leader be one where there's a lot of wrestling and a lot of top game and maybe a lot of ground and pound or else a violent finish as tins happen with Landwire's fights, uh, usually against him. But uh, yeah, and then Davis versus Batrigal, uh, Nunes versus Carnalosi. Uh, so yeah, you know, not the best. Not the you're, best. You're, your
1: boy, your boy, Mark Rojo. Mark, <laughs> Mark
0: Rojo, yeah. Let's, uh, let's, let's, have Mar- let's have it. Let's have it. Mar- he's not he's on. That fight is Santos has withdrawn. I'm looking here in topology. So oh, I'm, no. Where are you looking? No. Uh, well, you're so... on Wikipedia, where are you?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Uh Cage Warriors have a card as well next week. Uh, me and Ian talked a lot about it uh on uh on the chasing pack. So uh head on over there, listen. To, we didn't talk a lot about it. But it's I feel like the Cage Warriors American fights really haven't taken you know, taken uh, or grasped the imagination of the people on this side of the world. I'm not sure if they have over there as well. It's just like we, we have a lot to just cover here. There's another show yeah. over there in
1: North America, no, I, I assume. Mm-hmm.
0: It feels like it's just another show here as well, whereas the other Cage Warriors ones aren't. They're special and we love them, but it just... Yeah, it feels like there's a little bit of a disconnect. Like, I feel like if they threw a few Irish... Or not Irish, UK and Irish people on those cards, we'd be watching. Like, imagine if Joe McCulgan was on this fighting an American for his 155-pound title or... You know, whoever might be on it. If you know one of the one of the other Irish fighters, or you know, Paddy well, I know Paddy pimplett has gone now, but someone like that. You know, I think it is. I think it'd get everyone involved, and I think it'd probably be better. But I don't know. Maybe in COVID times, that's not possible. But anyway, uh, fair play to them, and I hope cage Wars do well over there because they've done a great job here. And if they could do a similar thing out in the the US, it'd be absolutely fantastic. So, yeah, um, I'm sure we missed out on some news there or something, but we've covered a lot here today. Uh thank you very much to everyone for uh, for listening. If you haven't signed up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. Um I'm gone I'm going I'll I'll tell him Graham, I'm gone full time now in MMA. So this is from Monday on, I'm full time covering MMA, going at it. Uh, there's some news coming this week so I should, everyone should find out on Tuesday. But always as always not leaving Severe M. I'll still be with Severe May forever and ever and ever until Graham throws me out. So now it's a good time if you want to support me in the Disney never. Sign up patreon.com forward slash severe podcast. Um, so yeah, it should be uh should be fun. This week should be fun, that's all I'll say. We we'll find out on uh on Tuesday anyway. So yeah, I'll leave it at that. Graham, I appreciate you. Thanks very much. It's one o'clock now on, on Sunday morning. We've a free Sunday for once and uh I'm looking forward to have a bit of I, know, I'll get, I think I'll get a Subway or something to have a bit of crack sure. Why not? No soccer, no fucking international weekend. A lot of shit. But anyway, we'll leave it at that. Graham, inspirational quarter of the week. Go on, take it away. Um,
1: the Morrissey uh, uh, <laughs> Mar- what, what we call the Morrissey song lyric of the, of, the yeah, week. of
0: the week. Yeah, go on. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, okay. Oh, I should have prepared for this one. More, <laughs> you said uh,
0: the same uh, every week.
1: If I seem a little strange, well, that's because I am.
0: I love it. <laughs> Let's see you next Tuesday. Or some Sunday. Or probably, yeah, Sunday. Good luck.